let my tree bear good fruit so I can be used by you. You are hearing this song used by you from my dear friends, Tori and Shauna. You can find their latest album, Share Your Love, Volume 2, wherever you stream your favorite songs. I'm recording once again from my studios here in Hilliard, Ohio, powered by the Spot Athletics. I can't wait for you to meet today's guest. Thank you for listening. Make sure to like, share on all your platforms. For now, let's get into today's episode. All right, everybody, welcome back to Unscripted. From my studios, powered by the Spot Athletics, this is going to be a really good one today. When I saw this opportunity to have this interview, I was so excited because this is something that touches us all. So my guest today is Cristobal Cruzen. Cristobal, can you just tell us a little bit about you and we'll go from there? Sure. Well, I'm up there in years. I have. I was born in Tampa, Florida. I grew up there. <clears throat> And my cop for my college I, years, I went up north, northeast of the country, and ended up eventually graduating from NYU Film School, New York City, and went into filmmaking and <clears throat> had my first job there in Manhattan before I graduated. Had my eyes on becoming a filmmaker, and I, I, my, my thought was I would break in through screenwriting. <clears throat> so I I never did make a full move to LA, but I am still a filmmaker. And what happened in my case was that a search for spiritual mm. truth and meaning in life at that same time that I was graduating from film school in New York led me to investigate the major religions of the world. The last one I came to on my list was Christianity and read, I read the Bible <clears throat> from cover to cover. And I decided this is, this is what I want to follow. And then after I became a Christian, I thought, well, now I won't be a filmmaker. How can I be a filmmaker if I'm a Christian? I had no mentoring and I didn't really know any better. And I've since learned, no, on the contrary, one can serve God in any field of activity. So I am still a filmmaker today and a writer and a screenwriter and father, a grandfather, try to be a good neighbor too. <laughs> what were some of the projects is I do want to get into the film and that we're on here today. To talk about the film. Let me have my son. It's the trailer alone is incredible, incredible. And the story behind it prior to let me have my son. What were some of the other projects you worked? Sure. Well, I made a movie in South Africa called Final Solution, <clears throat> and that was in the early 2000s. It was a film based on a true story and was has been very popular. It was <clears throat> shown all through, it's been shown all through the world, but it was shown in South Africa repeatedly on the SABC. It was also shown on PBS for several years. And I made another film in Bosnia after that, which was shortlisted for Bosnia's nomination for the Academy Awards. And that's one of my favorite films that I've done. And 
We filmed in Bosnia. I wrote the screenplay based on a true story as well. And that was translated into Bosnian. And I directed that film, not understanding the language per se, but having written the script and being able to work with the actors who spoke English with me. And that was quite an experience. That's a, one of my favorite films. I've also produced or written and directed, I should say, First Landing, Undaunted, More Than Dreams, and now Let Me Have My Son. So what led you to Let Me Have My Son? Well, what led me to Let Me Have My Son was my son, my real-life son. It's the story, the movie is based in part. It's, it's not a documentary. It's, I call it semi-autobiographical. My firstborn son developed schizophrenia. He was diagnosed with schizophrenia as a 17-year-old. And when he turned 18, he was civilly committed to the state psychiatric hospital in Virginia, Williamsburg, Virginia. And he was there for five and a half years, a secured facility under lock and key. I, I could not take him out of the hospital for even a walk around the corner or to go get an ice cream. He was literally taken away and isolated there and locked, locked, locked up there, essentially. And he's 40 years old today. He's doing much better. And though he has had to be hospitalized at different intervals up to the present, we are looking forward to seeing a lot more of him, though, in the near future when he is discharged and into a group home setting. So it's a, that part of it is a long story, but I wanted to dignify him. <clears throat> I wanted to redeem those, well, I was about to say those years, but you could even see, you could even say his life, redeem the life that was locked away, was, you know, hidden from public view. I, I, I had all the dreams and aspirations for my son that any father would have. He was a beautiful child and things went awry, you know, in a major way. But I believe that when we can tell our story, whatever it is, and, and, and show, show the hopeful part of the story and point people toward hope and inspiration and love and just develop greater empathy for others by telling the story and sharing that story with others, it all makes it worthwhile. I'm a father of three. I have a son. My firstborn is a son as well. I have two daughters. And the daughters are different. I'm a girl dad. I, I really am. And, <laughs> but at the end of the day, my son was our firstborn. And I think to your point, we have hopes and dreams and aspirations and I came from a prior life where I've seen a lot of dads put a lot of pressure on their kids, their sons, to be maybe the athlete that they weren't, for example. Just just one example, right? Yeah. Like that's what we do to our sons, especially our firstborn sons. How hard was this for you to to make this film? But I want to put an asterisk there because I appreciate so much that you're sharing this story because I think every dad of a firstborn son knows exactly what we're talking about. We, we have aspirations mm -hmm. and dreams for them and yeah. they are their own 
person. God created them uniquely. And so how, how hard was this for you? Well, it was, it was devastating. And to your point, it was probably devastating in part because of my own ego or selfishness and, and disappointment with God. And that's the part that, you know, I'm not so proud about. On the other side, it was incredibly painful because I loved him so much, right? And so to see him suffer like that was just devastating. And then to realize you can't fix it, you know, that was the, the hardest part. <clears throat> that you feel so powerless in the face of something like this. Now, there's a proverb that says, a man's spirit will sustain him in his infirmity, but a crushed spirit, who can bear? And I think a crushed spirit is what's behind a lot of mental illness. Something has happened that, and, and, and the more it goes on and the more it weighs on an individual, the more it can crush the spirit. And a broken spirit, how do you mend a broken spirit? So that's, that was the, and has been the difficult and challenging part primarily. Well, and to be personal too, I, I we have mental illness in our family. I personally deal with mental mm -hmm. illness. It's a battle, a demon. I wake up every morning and I put the backpack on, right? Like I think a lot of people listening to mm -hmm. this do as well, and especially after COVID. Like I think our kids, you know, what I mean, yeah. I think our kids will deal with. We're seeing yeah. we're seeing the numbers spike in terms of mental illness, and now all of a sudden, yeah. we're, and I'm I'm yeah. thankful we're living in a world where at least we can talk about it instead of right instead That's, of instead of fighting this yeah. battle alone. And I love that you've made this film for those that may be fighting it as well. As a dad dealing with that like when did you find out where did this all start for you yeah well in truth his his mother suffered from mental illness and some of her symptoms were extreme paranoia for example license plates on passing cars would be sending messages as one example and i remember one day driving in the car with family and he was in the back seat and he began interpreting license plates and I said don't make fun of your mother because I thought he was you know mouthing off I thought he was showing disrespect to his mom turned out he wasn't and not too long thereafter he began to imagine the weatherman on TV was speaking to him or the some boys across the street wanted to fight him for some unknown reason <clears throat> and it just kind of grew from there became very irrational unpredictable and of course it was the physical unpredictability that created the problems if he had if he had been like james james stewart in the movie harvey talking to an right. invisible exactly. rabbit <laughs> and and being very friendly to people you know he would he would have stayed at home, but he couldn't because of the physical assault, assaultiveness. And it was so unpredictable that, as I say, he, or maybe I didn't say, but when he turned 18, he was civilly committed to the state mental hospital. So it was out of my control. I, I couldn't prevent 
what was happening because he was found mentally ill and dangerous. And the determination was made that he had to be institutionalized at that point. And so <clears throat> that's when, that's when this, it became so dark because they were, it was a catch 22 where he just couldn't get better there. Now, I will say that some medications, I think, did help him. Clozeril being one, which has been shown to be effective in the treatment of schizophrenia, or at least to some extent. It's not a cure, but it ameliorates some of the, some of the condition. But it, yeah, it just was very, very difficult because here he is institutionalized so that he will get better but unable to get better because he's institutionalized. He has no interaction. They had him isolated, you know, on his own ward. He had no roommates out of fear, I guess, that he might hit somebody. And it's, it's like, you know, you get a plant and put it in the closet, shut the door and expect it to grow. It's not going to grow. So that was a great frustration that I felt as his father. I knew he wasn't getting better there. I knew he needed stimulation and interaction. I became his legal guardian. And with that as leverage, I was able to, in a sense, demand that the hospital give me my son so that we could move to Mexico. I took the step of moving to Mexico so that I could get him out of that hospital in hopes that he would soon come home. And in fact, he did after initially being institutionalized in Mexico. He did come to live at home for about a year. He did very well, but then had another relapse or had a relapse, which was a severe one. So it's been difficult, but he's doing much better today. And we're very upbeat that he will soon be discharged from the hospital where he is currently and come to be in a group home because he's been doing so much better. And I talk to him every day on the phone. And he always says, Dad, I love you at the beginning. And Dad, I love you at the end of the call. And we're just hopeful to see him much more frequently now in the near future. He's still your son, right? We're a father well, forever, right? That's right. So, let, yeah. let me tell a quick story. That's I remember we were in a small group once, and there was a family that would come to our small group, and they talked about their struggles with their son. And, and at one point, I think there was something, anyway, there was a reason we went to their home. We were helping with something and we went to their home and there was hinges and padlocks on doors and, and their backyard was, it was almost like a gated community for their son. It was, it was one of the most difficult scenes I've ever seen. And I say that because I think a lot of us are upset because our kid didn't make the t-ball team or didn't start in a, in a basketball game or didn't whatever it might be. And it's all relative. Like, I don't think a lot of us understand what's happening inside a home, maybe even right next door. And so I'm thankful that you've made this film because it really does bring perspective to the fact that, yeah, I might be a little disappointed my kid didn't insert whatever here, you know, wasn't first chair in the orchestra, didn't make the basketball, whatever it might be. Gosh, there's people that are dealing with things that we can't even begin to get our head around. And I, I think this film will really help people understand, boy, be thankful, yeah. be thankful and be cautious because True. we're blessed. 
You know what I'm saying? Does that make sense? I do. It makes all the sense in the world. And I would also say that as dark and difficult as it may get, if you are, if you have someone in your family struggling, like a child, if you listen, you know, the example you mentioned from your small group, nothing, there's no power in heaven or in hell that can keep you from loving your child, that can keep you from loving that person who's suffering. Nothing, nothing can stop you from loving another person. Nothing. And that's one of the great takeaways I hope that people find in the movie, that they will be, as you said earlier, they will realize they're not alone if they are going through something. And they will also realize that no matter how dark it gets, no one can tell you not to love. That's so powerful. No one can tell you not to love. That's so powerful. So, Absolutely. love at all times. <laughs> I think anyone all listening people. to this as a parent knows what we're talking about. It doesn't matter, you know, and I wish our kids could understand the depths that, and again, it's all a reflection of our Heavenly Father. Uh, and I think for anyone listening to this too, yeah. you know, that's struggling with mental illness or struggling in a season in their life where they feel like they're so far from home, you're not. Your father, just like you loved your son and like I love my kids, I, you know, you're never too far from home. And I, I love that. So you had a, so the book came out in 2007. Is that correct? The, the first version of the book. Yes. I've updated it <clears throat> recently to give more, more of the story. But yes, it was first published in 2007 and it, it, the book really, consists largely of prayer letters that were written originally just (laughs) asking for help from people to pray. As I was going through a very, very difficult time, I just started out writing a few friends and it grew from there into this group of hundreds of people who would look forward to my monthly letters advising them as to what was going on in Daniel's life and what were the specific prayer requests. I would also sometimes wax poetic, you know, and give my reflections on things. And people appreciated that. I think a lot of people began looking forward to getting those monthly letters. And at some point in there, several people said, Chris, have you thought of putting these letters together in a book? Because I, you know, I think that it would help people. And so who are going through a struggle, it might not even be mental mental illness, it could be some other struggle, you know, pain is pain. (laughs) So, so that was the impetus behind the first version of the book. And I did not even think of making a movie from the story, but that is my vocation. I am a filmmaker and perhaps it was inevitable that I would get to that point of thinking, well, I've written about it. Maybe I should also make a film about it. I set out in the film to not tell a documentary, but to fictionalize the story to some extent, because I really wanted two things. I didn't want to be held accountable to getting all the fine little nitty gritty details right about a mental hospital and how they function. Oh, this would happen. That would not happen. You're out of line here. You didn't do this or that or the other. So I took a different approach. where 
it became more the father's imagination of what it was like in the hospital. And the movie reveals what's behind that so that we could get into how the father feels, what his feelings are. And to me, that's really what it's all about anyway. It's, it's the, the, you know, how this, well, it's, that's not just what it's about. It's about the whole thing. But I wanted to explore the father's feelings because the details of the mental hospital were less important to me than the feelings that the father would go through as he looks for his son trying to bring him home. Any parent listening to this knows exactly what you're saying. We've been, you know, not to the extent that you were. So I, I have three questions for you. The first one is, what are the links? Where can they find the book? You, we'll talk about the movie in a second. So that'll be the second question. But the first question is, where can they find you, the book, and your story? Sure. Well, we have the website, letmehavemyson.com. The title of the movie, letmehavemyson.com. Messengerfilms.com is our, our corporate website. I founded Messenger Films in 1988. So there's a lot to be gleaned about me from messengerfilms.com. And the book, I would say if you're interested in buying the book, you could buy it on Barnes & Noble. That would be the best place to go for right now. The movie, when it premieres on May 24th, will be a virtual cinema event. And the book will also be offered at that time when people will log in to buy a ticket to watch the movie. There'll be an option to buy the book as well. And you can sign up for our monthly newsletter at, again, at messengerfilms.com. I write a monthly reflection and I put a lot of thought into those reflections and maybe I spend too much time with them. I don't know, but I, I seem to get good responses from people on those as well. I often talk about the movie or Daniel, my son, and so forth uh, in those reflections, but I, but, but not necessarily so. I tend to touch on many such. So I do have that third question I'll get to in a second. I feel like as a parent, I don't think you're looking to make millions of dollars off of a movie. I think what you need is people to encourage you. Like that friend in my small group, they just need somebody to come alongside them and say, you're doing a good job. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and you're leading your home, you're leading your child, you're leading your family. And, you know, the circumstances being what they are, uh, as you've, you've pointed out so eloquently, you know, a few times, we really can't control so much when it comes to this topic and our families and our kids and their choices, especially now in today's social media world. But I think it, there's nothing more powerful than when somebody comes alongside us and says, hey, I was proud of your child today. They did X, Y, Z. Man, that puts so much wind in the sails of a parent. And so is that true? I don't think you're here to make a million dollars off this film. I think you're here to know that no. your story is impacting and helping others and thereby helping you as well. Yes. Yes, very much so. I, I became a Christian at the age of 29. And I was not brought up in a Christian household. I didn't, I had never heard of being born again. And because I began searching for truth and meaning and just going through the religions that were, that I was aware of, you know, Buddhism, Hinduism, 
Islam. The last one I studied was Christianity. Read the Sermon on the Mount, read the whole Bible eventually, gave my life to the Lord. And I, I really thought that I would never be a filmmaker at that point. Because how can a Christian be a filmmaker? Yeah. To me, they, they, there was no connection. But I have since learned that <laughs> absolutely there's a connection. And when I make a film, when I set out to make a film, I set out to please the Father. And I want to say even before that, I set out to make the film that the Lord would have me make. <laughs> I don't want to create wood, hay, and stubble. I want to create something of permanence and to create something of permanence. I don't want to leave that solely up to my discretion or primarily up to my discretion. I want to, to discern the will of God for everything I do. And to that point, I could say that I'm now a member of AA and I'll explain what I mean that now that let me have my son is finished. I am in anticipation of assignment. <laughs> hey, hey, I'm I'm I, I'm a I'm a servant at, at heart. I mean, that's that's how I see myself, and and frankly, I see myself that way because I think that's what the Bible teaches that we should serve one another. Jesus said, "He who would be the greatest among you should be the least and the servant of all." And if I've washed your feet, you know. Let that serve as an illustration of how you should behave. <laughs> so, yes, I want to serve. I want my movies to serve God's purposes and advance his will in the earth. So my third question was going to be, how can we pray for you? As a dad, as your family, you know, not, and again, we're talking about the film, and I love that we can talk about the film, but, but how can this audience, somebody driving in their car, on a treadmill, walking their dog. I don't know where this thing mm. lands. I don't. But wherever yeah. it lands today, when somebody hears this through their earbuds or their whatever speaker they're listening on, yeah. how can they pray for you right well, now? Well, before I would ask for prayer for myself, I would just say, please pray for, please pray for all the mm. people who are suffering for the, for the family, as well as for the one who is, let's say, afflicted. They need our prayers. And if you know somebody, spend some time with them. Reach out to them. You know, we're, we're told in the Bible to weep with those who weep. So if someone is weeping, either literally or figuratively, they're going through a really difficult time, don't sing them a loud song. Just sit next to them, listen, weep with them, cry with them, and, and be there for them. Comfort them. That's, that's what I would ask for first. Personally, I have a few people that I daily lift up to the Lord who I know struggle with mental illness. And I know that they're literally less than a little sliver of my thumbnail, you know, in terms of the majority, you know, the vast number of people out there. But I lift them up almost symbolically as well as representative of the millions of people who are suffering. There's so much need in our world. And, 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 if you're, and if you're whole, if you're W-H-O-L-E, whole, and you have strength and vitality and your wits about you, love, mm -hmm. love other people. You know, it's like, 
if you have the strength, help. So, so I would ask for prayer for others. I'd ask for prayer for my son, Daniel, who, you know, he's still afflicted, but he's just doing so much better. Pray that that improvement that he's experiencing will continue and that he will really become so much more stable that he'll never, ever again require <laughs> hospitalization. He's on the verge now of going into a group home, having his own apartment, getting family visits. I mean, we're going to have a good old time <laughs> in the very near future, we hope. So pray for that to become a reality for his sake, for the family's sake. And then if you're still with me and you still want to say a prayer, pray that my assignment from the Most High will become clear to me and be delivered <laughs> and that I will be receptive to it and respond accordingly. Because I want to keep working for God. Thank you for working for him in the midst of the storm. You know, you got emotional a second ago. I'm going to get emotional now because I'm a dad too. And a couple of things you said, you know, the sliver in your fingernail is not that to God. We're all equal in his sight. And the prayers of that sliver are just as important as the most important person in the world. That's one. Two, I know that the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. And, you know, anyone listening to this today, the Lord's close. This is where I'm going to get choked up, friend. I look forward to the day when your son wow. is whole and healed. And this side of heaven or the other side, when you all can be in great relationship. And thank you for pursuing him like the father pursues us. I'm, I'm trying really hard not to get up emotional. I think yeah. your model yeah. of what you're doing for your son through this film and your life, my friend, that's what the father does for us. No matter how broken, no matter what, he pursues us and you're doing that. And yeah. that is the, the greatest reflection yeah. and most honoring thing you can do to our heavenly father and for our heavenly father is be that dad. And so, man, thank you for that. And I, I hate to downshift and trans, transition quickly, but I want to see this film and I want other, see, other people to see the film. So when and how can they see the film? Sure. So the day is May 24, May 24. I believe that's a Wednesday. It will become available world, worldwide on May 24. And there will be a, a website that the viewer will go to and that's where they will buy a ticket to watch the movie. It'll all over the world. It's going to be, it already is in English, but it will be in, available in Spanish, Portuguese. Oh, sorry. That's my computer. <laughs> It'll be available in Spanish, Portuguese, Dutch subtitles, French subtitles. We'll be adding other languages as we go on. But yeah, that's how you'll see the movie initially. And it'll be up on this dedicated platform for about six weeks. That'll be the only place you can watch it. And we're hopeful that just like word of mouth might spread about a good movie or, hey, go see it. Well, where do I go? This is where you go. <laughs> and that'll be the movie theater, so to say. And we're hopeful that many people will respond and, and watch the film. But that's how you watch it. I wish I could tell you it's, 
the specific web address to go to, but if you can just remember to go to letmehavemyson.com, the information will also be there. And I will push that out. And on May 24th, I will also, any platform I have, hopefully everyone will go on May 24th and support you, not just for the film, but but for what you're doing and, and being a dad, being in this situation. Thank you so much for your time you. today. Thank you. No, it's been my pleasure. You know, I think you're perhaps the first interviewer that I've had around this film who became vis visibly emotional like you have. And I tend to get this way kind of easily. It's <laughs> how I am, I suppose. But I appreciate your tears, I want to say. And I, I would just remind you and all your listeners, remind all of us that, as you said, God is near the brokenhearted. And who wrote those words but David, the psalmist? And you look at so many of the psalms, and there's a common thread in many of them that my heart is broken. In my distress, I'm calling out to you day and night. Have you forgotten me, Lord? You know, the lamenting, the lamentation, you know, the lamenting and the grieving. These are, these are all things that connect us closer to, to God. And they're not bad. I think they're good. They're, 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 they open the soul up to the divine. I appreciate so, you. Well, this has been so thank powerful you. today, and I hope our listeners think so too. Letmehavemyson.com. Is that correct? Letmehavemyson.com. Please, if you're hearing this today, before the end of the day, go to letmehavemyson.com, look into the resources that are available there, and do not miss this film and support. And, and honestly, go back if you can, the last, I don't know, 10 minutes, reverse this and pray for my friend. Thank you. I, I, I I literally am just, I, I'm emotionally moved by your sacrifice and for your mission, for what you're doing. And thank you for being my guest today, my friend. All right. Thank you. Well, we wish the best for you. Let me have my son.com go now. And we look forward to, to hopefully having you on again soon. I can't wait to come back and celebrate with you. So I'm going to go ahead and extend the invitation. Let's let's come back again sometime and, and celebrate what's happened because I do believe in the power of prayer and that God's going to have a breakthrough for you, my friend. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank so you much. so much for being here. Thank you for listening to the latest episode of the Unscripted Podcast. Please remember to like and share. We'll be back soon with another amazing guest, but until then, remember to live each day unscripted. I want to be you.